So today we're going to be talking about um, validity, um, as in validity of uh, assessment instruments. And uh, I think that this is an important topic um, for, for many types of um, ATS members. I'm doing this as a section of medical education podcast, but um, it, it's actually relevant to, um, to almost any of us in the ATS. So um, clinicians using symptom or disease severity scales for their patients. Um, it's also relevant for researchers who use or develop questionnaires or scales to evaluate patient outcomes. It's relevant to educators using and developing tests to assess their learners or their curricula, um, and also for administrators who use surveys to evaluate patient or staff satisfaction. I think it's a really important topic to think about what do we mean by the validity of an assessment tool. Um, and I have become very interested in this topic because um, a couple of years ago I was working on a curriculum and I wanted to assess the effectiveness of the curriculum. So I wrote a test. Um, and in the pilot, the test appeared to show that the um, learner's knowledge improved from before studying the curriculum to afterwards. But then the next year, the score stayed absolutely flat. Um, and when I reviewed that test um, you know, after a couple of years um, with more understanding about what makes a good test, um, I think that it was actually that I wrote the test poorly, but there are so many possibilities um, for how a test can misrepresent what, we, what we're trying to understand, so how a test can fail to represent the construct that we're, we're actually trying to test. So I thought it would be worth um, talking about this um, uh, as a podcast um, because the underlying premise um, that, I, that I think is poorly understood is that validity, um, it's not a property of the test instrument itself. It's actually a property of the instrument, instrument scores and their interpretations. We often hear and read the phrase, we used a validated instrument. And this implies a dichotomy that the instrument is either valid or not. This is a false dichotomy. An instrument may have substantial validity evidence supporting its use in one situation, or it may have no validity evidence, um, but it may have evidence in one situation, but none in another. Um, or all the evidence may actually be pretty weak for its um, validity. Um, and I think that this is poorly understood and, and, and worth, under, worth us discussing um, today. So this is going to be a mini-series where we will talk about um, validity of assessment tools, um, uh, including having a, an interview with Dr. David Cook, um, who is really an expert in this area. So a little background to the concept of validity. So we should think of validity of a test as a hypothesis. And the validation is the process of testing that hypothesis. And as with any rigorous research, um, the way to build a strong argument is to make one's theoretical ideas as 
explicit as possible and then devise deliberate challenges to test the theory. I'm actually paraphrasing Kronbach as I say that. And this process should be continued until all the inferences in the interpretive argument are plausible or the interpretive argument is rejected. As with all hypothesis-driven research, validity can never be proven. So now, let's think about what's the definition of validity. Well, there's a definition that has been provided in the Standards for Educational and Psychological Testing, which was developed jointly by the American Educational Research Association, the American Psychological Association, and the National Council on Measurement in Education. And um, this was published in 1999. Um, and so the definition of validity is the degree to which the evidence and theory support the interpretations of test scores entailed by proposed uses. Um, now let's go back to a little bit about the history of validity because um, I think many people will have heard many different terms when talking about validity, and so I'd like to bring us all onto the same page. So in the 1920s, there were two types of validity that were talked about, criterion and content validity. And then in the 1950s, um, the types of validity that were talked about were correlational, content, and construct. And then in 1989, Messick proposed that rather than there being different types of validity, there are sources of evidence of construct validity, i.e. all forms of evidence of validity are evidence of the validity of the construct. And then the construct is that the assessment tool is assessing the construct that we think it is. Um, another way of phrasing this is that the validity is the degree to which a score on the test can be interpreted as representing the underlying construct. So Messick proposed five sources of validity evidence. And those five were content, response process, internal structure, relationship with other variables, and consequences. And so I will just review those five sources of validity evidence. So the first was content. This refers to the steps taken to ensure that the test items represent the target construct. So the content of the test, the content of the instrument that we're talking about. And so where, where does that content come from? Well, perhaps it's been made up by a single person sitting in a room by themselves, in which case that is not going to be a very strong evidence that the, uh, the assessment tool is really going to um, uh, assess the construct uh, that we're interested in. On the other hand, if the assessment tool has been developed by an expert panel, um, and perhaps that panel has individuals from multiple specialties or from multiple institutions, and the instrument was developed uh, using an iterative fashion um, where, uh, first of all, a pilot was developed, and then um, the tool was also showed to a number of colleagues, and they checked that the colleagues could answer the test um, uh, as they would expect. Um, then there'd be a lot more um, evidence for the validity of the content of the assessment tool. Okay, so the second source of validity evidence is referred to as response process. 
So this refers to systems that reduce response error or enhance data integrity. So the kinds of things here are um, that when a learner answers a question, they might misinterpret the question. And they're actually trying to answer a different question. And how can you find that out? Um, because they'll just get the wrong answer. Um, but then your assessment isn't actually testing the construct that you intended it to. So things you can do in this area of response process uh, validity evidence include asking learners when they are doing the test to think aloud as they're answering and then document what they're saying. And if you do this a few times and find that many learners start talking about a different area of knowledge than you had in fact intended to test, then you can go back and look at your question and try to work out why are, you, uh, why are the learners going down this different route. You can do other things such as looking at um, what the learner's eye movements are or their response times on different questions. You can also look for systematic differences in performances. Um, if the instrument is a uh, checklist or a global rating scale, which is actually filled in by uh, someone rating the learner, um, then response process may, may involve different forms of validity evidence. It may uh, require that actually the raters all need some training to learn how to use that, um, that checklist, that tool. Um, you may need to do some think aloud with those raters um, to work out that they're all actually thinking about the same construct. So the third source of validity evidence is internal structure. And I think this is one that most of us um, understand. Uh, it's talking about the psychometric properties of the test, um, so reliability, such as inter-item reliability, inter-station reliability, inter-rater reliability, and also test-retest reliability. Um, for this, to, to, to develop validity evidence in this area, it's useful to have the help of a statistician. Um, as choosing the correct test of reliability um, requires some expert knowledge. The fourth area of validity evidence is relation with other variables. And again, I think this one is pretty easy to understand. It's the idea that you'd expect if an instrument is really testing a particular construct that the scores on that test will correlate with scores on other similar tests. This is sort of the classic thing that gets done to validate a test. Um, uh, as in, uh, when learners of multiple levels, for example, medical students and residents and attendings all take the same tests, and then it's shown that the scores on the test correlate with the level of training. So you could take uh, the scores on one test and correlate them with the scores on another test. Um, so if you're trying to develop a new test to show competence at, um, in nephrology, then you could correlate the score on your test with scores on the uh, board exams in nephrology, for example. Um, 
I think this is one of the easiest to understand, and so this is one of the sources of evidence that's most frequently tested, and um, studies of this kind often result in that comment, we've validated our test, or we're now using a validated test. And it, it's an important area of um, validity evidence, but it's, it's not the be-all and end-all of validity evidence. So then the fifth source of validity evidence is the area of consequences. And this is when you look at scores on the test and then look at um, the effects of that. So if you develop a test um, which is used to decide the passing grade at the end of a medical school rotation, um, then uh, look into what are the consequences of passing, failing, or the score that you provide to learners. But sometimes the consequences aren't just to the learners. Sometimes it's also to the raters. Um, there are some studies that have looked at um, different tests, such as the, the mini-sex um, rating uh, checklist, which showed that the raters found using this um, tool very useful because it actually motivated them to improve their own clinical um, examination skills because they were rating learners' examination skills. So those are the five sources of validity evidence as Messick described them in 1989. So this was an introduction to the topic of validity evidence for assessment instruments. This is the first podcast in a short series, and I'll be back with a couple more podcasts on the topic, including an interview with David Cook, who is a professor of medicine and medical education at the Mayo Clinic.